All we need is a place to be and a few good friends for some company. If you'd like to stay, you don't have to leave. We'll leave the lights on and the door unlocked. If you drop on by, you don't have to knock. We're happy to share whatever we've got. Well, welcome everybody to episode, I've been debating all day, we're going to call this episode one, and I'm going to go ahead and call it episode one of a relaunched West Seattle NASCast, but let me add this, because there are going to be other West Seattle NASCasts, this is going to be West Seattle NASCast in depth. Is that exciting? That is exciting. Does that get you all fired up to be here in the hot seat? That's right. Well, my name is my name is Sean. I'm the pastor here, and uh, essentially, what we're going to do is over the next few weeks, and hopefully, continuing on, we're going to invite folks um, connected to the church. Some of them very connected, some of them maybe loosely connected. I, I hope I hope eventually uh, we will we will invite people that may be friends of us that don't come to the church but know of the church or maybe interact slightly with the church because of the friendships. Um, I was thinking Noel uh, and Allie at some point. Um, so, so this is just a, we're going to have some fun and this is a starter and we'll see how it goes. So, uh, I'd like to welcome, this is, this is also the other part I've been curious about. I'd like to welcome our first guest, uh, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Moore. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we have a live audience too. So this is exciting. Um, Josh, I, what, for those who are going to be listening, uh, why don't you give us the rundown? Who is Josh Moore? Tell us about yourself. The good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Uh, broad question. There's yeah. a lot of ways to go with that. But I wouldn't, I'll, I'll I would, keep it brief. I wouldn't give my dad that broad of a question. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's see. I've lived all over the U.S. I've lived in California, Nevada, Tennessee, and Washington. Um, I moved up here when I was about 10. Um, I've been here pretty much since, other than one year try at NNU over in Idaho. <laughs> Um, and then I moved back. And then you ditched me. And then, yeah, we got Sean over there, and then we decided to leave. Maybe there was you know, a pattern there. Yeah. Uh, but it it was great. So that's actually where I proposed to Sarah, my wife. Wonderful, wonderful wife. Oh, yeah, you did it in Idaho. Yeah, well, I did it here in Seattle, but I did it while that's we right. were going to school in Idaho. We that's came right. back for um, Christmas break, and I did it on New Year's Eve. Um, a little cliche, but it, it went off perfect a, a without little, a hitch. A little cliche? Yeah, just a little okay. bit. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we got married uh, that summer, and it's been pretty much history. Now we have two wonderful daughters, Addison and Charlie. One who's turning nine this year. Nine-year-old now, yeah. So, Because I remember uh, I was... With my first year when I came back to pastor here, uh, I was working Safeway Night Crew for two yeah. days a week. And I remember uh, working, I was on the, uh, what was it? It was, oh, oh, I can't forget this. It was on the green bean aisle at the Jefferson <laughs> Square Safeway stocking the green beans and the corn uh, when Kristen texts that Sarah is going to lay or something. I bet the news broke that Addie was coming. Yeah. Exciting time. That makes me feel old. <laughs> so Addie and Charlie, and Charlie's how old? And Charlie just turned six uh, last November. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So. That is crazy. Okay. Um, so we, 
it's interesting and I'm thankful that you're the first person to do this uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first reason is, in many ways, this goes. This is a conversation that goes back to a Sun Lakes conversation. Yes. Now that yes. that that was that was more vague, include church, but also include some fantasy baseball things. But still, we were we were talking. I think you were talking stock market and different things yep. at that point, which yep. is interesting. Now and hopefully we'll get to that. Um, and I was talking about podcasting and websites and different things. And so it's interesting. Uh, how long ago was it? That would have been. Probably about five four, years, three, four, five. Yeah, like yeah. Between how, three and five. How many of you have been Sun Lakes? Sun Lakes in Eastern Washington, the campsite. Oh, you have to go. It's a pretty cool spot. Um, we were just walking around the lake and talking and hopes and dreams. And and Josh was Scott stock market and and uh, I was podcasting. We both you know made the the commitment that in thirty days from that trip we were going to have websites up and running. <laughs> And I just want you to know, I finally emailed the website company, and I officially have a website started this week. <laughs> four, four years 30 later. days. <laughs> um, but then the other, uh, the other thing, and I've had, in the last, I'd say, 30 days, I've had a lot of those little kind of moments where you think, is the world trying to tell me something about podcasting? And, but the culmination of that was three weeks ago, I... I had one heck of a week trying to come up with a sermon. It just wasn't wasn't happening. Uh, and so I've 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 made the deal with God or myself or somebody that on those weeks I'm not going to over over struggle, but I'm just going to turn to staff and and people in the church who are willing at last minute and say, hey, do you want to do a panel discussion? And so it was one of those weeks, and I turned to my dad and Lorenzo, and I I gave them no prep time, and we did a conversation on the baptism of Jesus. I just actually listened to it today. It wasn't bad. No, I thought it was great. It was, it was good. I was really on my joke game. Um, <laughs> but I got done with church and, and I cleaned up, got the live stream off, and I finally got to my phone. And there was this text from you, and I don't remember the exact words, but essentially something along the lines. What, what, tell us, what did you say? Well, I mean, I could read it verbatim, but the gist of it was I was very moved at the beginning of the sermon to engage and to have an opinion and voice it. Um, that's not typically who I am. I'm not a person that just goes out of their way to voice my opinion. And I was like, oh, I have something to say. Oh, I want to contribute. Oh, oh. And it was just, it was enlightening. And I was so excited. So I reached out to you knowing that you had this podcast that you'd been mm -hmm. talking about. And I was like, hey, I have content. I need to share this. Um, and so I basically asked for you to schedule something that week. <laughs> <laughs> and three weeks later. And three weeks later. Um, no, it, it, I was really glad that it, it played out in that direction. Believe you too. me, if you all want to schedule something with me, I can sneak you in at least three weeks. Um, <laughs> so, okay, content. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious to start there. Like, do you, I mean, I know it's three weeks ago, but what, what was turning? What was humming? Give yeah. us a little bit of that. Yeah, well, your very first question to uh, Lorenzo and your dad was... Water stories. Water stories. Do you have any? And I was like, oh, man, that's a tough... No, that's not tough. Oh, I have this water story, and I have this water story. And I just kind of kept realizing, like, my life has been formed around water stories. And so I just was like, oh, wow, I really have this theme that I never realized until that moment. And the, the really cool part about it was that it, it brought me a lot of joy, 
even though not all the water stories are always joyous and mm-hmm. um, some are scary and whatnot but it was it was like just this this invigorating feeling that i got listening can you give us some like give us two or three of yeah maybe your favorites and then maybe a scary one i don't know yeah yeah i'll start with the scary just because it's the earliest water memory um i think i was probably five maybe six years old um and my grandma did a lot of um raising of me my brothers and cousins um especially during the summer but she was also a maid at a hotel and so schedules conflicted sometimes she would have all four or five of us grandkids um, taking us to her work and we would hang out by her car, just, you know, doing things there, hanging out. And where, one where, day, where was this? Oh, this was in Reno. Okay. Yeah. So summers were real hot. Yeah. And so one day it was super, super hot. And her boss just said, Hey, the pool's really dead. You guys are more than welcome to go swimming. And so we were super excited and we all jump in and my brothers and cousin, they're, they're kind of know how to swim. And as we're playing with this ball, we're throwing it in and out. It rolls to the deep end. So I grab it and I throw it in and jump into the pool, not understanding that it was over six feet deep there. And I don't know how to swim. There's no lifeguard. There's no adults there because that just wasn't as, you know, common back then. And so I just remember being under the water, kind of looking up and seeing the ladder on the wall. And like doing everything I could to grab it. And so I grabbed the ladder and pulled up and I cut my arm like pretty, pretty deep on the ladder just out of the panic. But it was like that moment, you know, was really, really nerve wracking. You're saying that. And you just jogged when I when we had the sermon, I didn't think about this. Yeah. My aunt used to work on a Christian campground out Mm -hmm. in the middle of Oregon mountains. Um, and they had everything. They had the horseshoes. They had the they had the pool. They had the snack shack. I mean, and we always the highlight was could we go swimming? Yeah. But you know, they're busy. She's running a campground. She can't always take my cousins and I go swimming. So we snuck out Uh-oh. to go swimming. But you know what they do when there's not swimming time? They cover it. And so we were like crawling along the edge of the pool with the cover on and luckily we probably weren't in there for more than a minute and they came and found us and we were in so much trouble (laughs) but you can imagine like what seven eight years old yep what if something went down right so easily around water okay give us some more okay so um so that was that was my earliest memory um by far most frightening Mm -hmm. uh but thereafter you know, growing up in Reno, you know, we didn't go to pools and stuff. It was always, you know, rivers or lakes. Um, and so camping with my uncle, it was always uh, one of the highlights was fishing with him. I didn't really enjoy fishing uh, per se, but I enjoyed the company and hanging out with my uncle. And he would teach me and I just loved learning things, especially new things. And so we would kind of bond over that. And uh, that was just really formational in, you know, Later on, developing, you know, my learning and understanding conversations and just really being a part of that system. Um, But the bigger story there is that when we got a little bit older, we did get to go to the water park by ourselves, Mm -hmm. my brother and I. Well, in a hundred and something degree heat (laughs) in the desert, you know, you get warm and you don't think about sunscreen as a kid. And so I think I was probably 10-ish around there. Um, 
I got so sunburned that my shoulders blistered, my ears blistered. Um, I went home and they're like making these milk bath. Is you it know, still Reno? Yeah, still oh. in Reno. Cool compresses to put on my shoulders um, and everything like that. And I think that I had actually moved back to Seattle. So that was my first summer back after moving up here to visit with my mom and everyone. And my youngest brother was just born. And so he was crying. And so he grabbed my shoulders and he pulled all those blisters off. Oh, no. Yeah. Stop it. But but the, the best part was that day. We just had so much fun. That was like true independence. You know, we were 10. We thought we were on top of the world. We had all this confidence. And to this day, I, I find myself building my confidence through being independent um, to a fault sometimes. Um, and so, you know, Sarah, hear, Sarah keeps me in check I want to hear on some that. of those stories. No. <laughs> you know, like sometimes <laughs> you're like, oh, I can just do this by myself. And then you get overwhelmed and it's too much and you don't get it done on time or as well as you could have. So that that's something that you kind of see. Also, you know, independence is good, but sometimes relying on others is better. I don't want to skip water stories that you have, so feel yeah. free to go back. But I think when I think about some of your water stories, my my natural thoughts went to your. You just did a mass amount of lifeguarding. Yeah, absolutely. So that what was, was that. Give us. I mean, there's several stages in your life. So give us some thoughts on it. Exactly. And well, and you're you're like in my thoughts that Sunday that you were having this sermon. I was like, oh, I have this one, and I have this one. Lifeguarding was one. And so that summer, I was like turning six i just turned 16 i was kind of looking for a job i needed to you know get a cell phone like every other high schooler <laughs> yeah. you know they all got one uh and so i was trying to find a job to pay for that and i was looking because, around and because sarah needed to text you yes absolutely well partially we didn't text it because it cost like 10 cents a text <laughs> back then <laughs> i don't know if you remember that but <laughs> It was too expensive, so we didn't text, but uh, it was to talk to Sarah because I had a curfew on the house phone, so I had to be off the house phone by 8.30 or 9 o'clock. I can't remember which, but it was too early for Sarah, and she was the youngest, so she had her rules were a lot more liberal, and so I was like, okay, how can I talk to her longer rather than sneak the phone, get caught, get in trouble? It was a cycle, right? You just kind of saw this cycle happening, and it was a cell phone. And your parents didn't know? Uh, that I was sneaking. That you had a cell phone. Oh, no, no. I, I wanted one. That's why okay. I was looking for the job. No, I didn't have a cell phone yet. I was looking for the lifeguarding or a job. Lifeguarding paid the most. And I also looked at it and I was like, wow, that's like the easiest job in the world. I sit there and look at a pool. I had learned to swim. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. So freshman year, I uh, I joined the swim team, um, and the reason was, again, my group of friends, they were all joining swim team, and they were like, oh, you need to do this with us. I can't swim. And so that year, actually, I gained a lot of confidence again, because I went from the slow lane to the medium lane, and then I got the MVP, or uh, most improved, not MVP, but most improved um, freshman year from the coach and the captain of the team. And so it just brought a lot of confidence in that ability to like learn and hone that skill. Uh, there was a lot of pressure from my friends to do it as well. Uh, so peer pressure can be good. I think, <laughs> and I think about you um, 
it was pivotal. I mean, I think about the identity formation that must have surrounded that, the confidence, not just from the student team. You think about that was what got you through NNU in terms yep. of an income. Yep. When you were first married, that was kind of your first big job. Yeah. So the water, I, I mean, is it too much to say the water has been deeply connected to different stages of your life and the formation that's coming in there? Absolutely it is. I think you're hitting it right on. Hundred percent is, and yeah, when I took that lifeguarding job that summer or at the YMCA, I Sarah still cuts the hair of um, my boss, my very first boss. Oh wow! And so we have her paintings in our house now, um, and she just does phenomenal watercolors and things like that. But it's just the relationships that I've yeah. built around water and through it. In and you, you mentioned. Um, that was a high paying position. I came in um, as a manager, which was kind of mind blowing and, you know, upset some people at the time, but kind of worked through it. it. Helped me build my confidence as a manager of people that were mad at me for just being me. Um, and so that was, you know, formational. I came back and I got a job with Coca-Cola. That was my first real job yeah. while in college, Not but true. I got laid off. And right before I got laid off, I had this calling to keep my certifications for lifeguarding and i have no idea why but i applied for a position so you'd like at a spiritual kind of level you had the sense i gotta keep it yep i have to keep this and so something just told me i had no rationale behind it just said hey josh you really should follow through with this and so i had called and submitted my application that week that night that i got laid off minutes before i got the layoff notice I had received a call from the individual who said, I want to interview you tomorrow. I'm almost certain I want to hire you. Just come in and we'll have a conversation. Yeah. That's dope. So it just, it was, you know, it was perfect timing. And I know that wasn't my timing. It wasn't anything I had thought through. Like, oh, I might be losing my job. Or, you know, I was young and a little naive. I thought that that would just be my college job forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Are there any other? I don't want to bypass any, any good stories. Is there any story you just think I have to tell oh, this water story? I, I shared this first one. That was the absolute like okay. must. Uh, you know, we've had two daughters now, so my water stories are countless over the last nine years. All near drowning from one of them. That happened, but uh, you know, I'm not laughing. Yeah, it was scary, but you that know, was in Tahoe, right? It was in Tahoe. And I wasn't on duty per se. <laughs> <laughs> Not pointing fingers. What are you, what are you saying, Josh? <laughs> Not pointing fingers, but do you want me to edit this part out? <laughs> it might, maybe. <laughs> um, I, I, that's the other thing I wanted to hit. Like, I think about water now for you and your family. How much of your vacations are built around Chelan, the water, and yes. other places where where when you guys find your, you call yourselves the more for the more when you when the more for finds their Shalom. Yes. More often than not, it's around water. Absolutely. Yeah. We we have a, a small trip coming up, and it's to the desert, but there was a critical aspect. It had to have a pool. And so it, it's something that we've themed our life around without knowingly theming our life around it. Okay, before we move on to the second segment... I, which leads to the topic of that sermon and, and the water talk itself and baptism. Yeah. Um, you were baptized here. Yes. Under uh, the former pastor that we don't talk <laughs> about anymore. Um, 
Yes, that what, one. What year? Uh, that would have probably been 2006, 2005, 2006. Okay. I have a picture of it and I still can't find it. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you were sharing. You were down at Alki. Yep. Was that was that nerve-wracking to get baptized at Alki or just worried yeah. about the cold? So, you know, actually for me, um, I was pretty shy throughout high school. Um, you know, awkward teenager. I talk a lot about confidence now. Awkward adult. Awkward adult. <laughs> yeah. No, confidence was something that I definitely thought I lacked in high school a little bit. Um, and so to me, going down to Alki in my swimsuit to get baptized in front of all these people and strangers gave me a large heart attack. Like I, that was all I cared about. The water aspect was peaceful. Like I was like, yes, just keep me under. I'll swim away. I'll pop up somewhere else and I'll be good. It did go swimmingly. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it it was interesting. I think that are are we talking about that part we now? Can't, yeah, yeah. Do you like do you, you were eighteen ish? Yep. So, do you have memory? I do have a lot of memory of it. Did I mean get, describe it? Do you was it mystical? Was it? Yeah, you know, at the time, it wasn't. The moment wasn't anything like sun broke through the clouds. You know, the water was like perfect. It was actually, I was present though. And to me, Hmm. thinking back, like that mattered a lot. I was present in that moment. Um, I got baptized with Bonnie's son, um, Chris. Oh. Chris Markham at the same time. And so what was interesting to me is he and I, along with your dad, had gone through some classes um, Sunday mornings during Sunday school. And so we would talk and, you know, kind of share and we had these conversations I remember a lot of those being absolutely magical. Really? And those moments. As a high schooler. As a high schooler, I can remember back and those conversations were actually formational. And I think we might touch on this later. um, The reason that I ended up never leaving West Seattle Mm -hmm. um, is partly because of those those conversations. Um, That day, I do remember your dad having me hold my arms a certain way so he could hold them. And then he's like, okay, you're going to lean back. And I do remember feeling pretty weightless in the water, right? Like in water, you do. He was in control. And for me to let up control is is always a challenge. I like to have some control or, you know, knowledge on that. So that was pretty magical. Um, but I do remember coming up and going, I want to be in the water. I don't want to go to shore. And I don't know why. Maybe it was the cold temperature and the wind and it was warmer. I just felt reassured in or the water. Or maybe it was something. Ooh, I stepped that. I said, maybe you felt reassured in the water. I did feel reassured in the water, and that was that was absolutely it. And so, it's when deep. you talk about magical, it wasn't like, but it really did feel different than other things. So, last question. We'll take a break for this segment. Uh, you chose to be baptized. Uh, you and Sarah have chosen to have your girls baptized as infants. Uh, let's say, I mean, we live in Seattle, right? We all yeah. have friends that aren't connected to the church. And so let's say, let's say friends who, who aren't connected just honestly ask, so why? why? What does that mean? Why do that? Um, your, your response is. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's a tough response. I think yeah. they there's not one direct reason, but my my personal largest reason is that I want the girls to understand who God is and I want them to choose him. He's chosen them already and that that I believe wholeheartedly, but I want them to choose him and I want to have them understand from an early age that that's always been my purpose. I want them to know where I come from because I'm human. I make mistakes. And, you know, as they grow up, they're going to be a lot more knowledgeable of those mistakes and see the human inside of me. And I want them to see the love of God through their lens, not through Joshua Moore's lens. Um, Because in through baptism, I think that that gives them the opportunity to see that where I'm coming from and where God's coming from. And that just, Ability to continue. So, so it's like was it Carrie Underwood that has the song "There's Something in the Water"? Yes. So there. So you're yes. saying there must have been something in the water. Absolutely. <laughs> there was something in the water. We made we made it one segment. Are you oh, doing okay? Yeah. Are you like sweating? Are you nervous? I'm, no. I've calmed down a bit. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot more okay. natural feeling than I anticipated. The microphone in your face. Oh, my, my face does that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Okay, uh, welcome back. Uh, I want to pivot a little bit away from specifically talking about baptism. Uh, though we will return as we kind of wind it down and talking a bit about your story, um, your story, certainly, but also your kind of faith journey. Uh, and so did you, I guess the question I would ask is, did you grow up in the church uh, as a kid? Was it a kid? Was it a teenager? When do you have the earliest memories of being connected to the church? Not necessarily, the, well, not this church, certainly, yeah. um, but be it, be it in Reno or other places. Yeah, I think my absolute earliest memory is I was at a relative's wedding at a church. Um, And I probably was four or five at that time. Um, I was helping in some capacity. I don't know that I was the ring bearer, but I I was doing something there. Um, So that's my absolute earliest memory of being in the church. Outside of that, uh, my mom had always gone to church off and on and she was a believer in God and Christ and you know all of that she did end up kind of you know telling me and sharing with me Um, my grandma was actually a very firm believer would read the bible from time to time and um, she was really great about sharing stories um, so that I knew Uh, my name Joshua actually was from the bible my mom just loved that name from the book and so she chose that for me. Do you know that's essentially Jesus' name? Yeah. It's more likely that Jesus' name was Josh, Joshua, Joshua, not Jesus. Yeah. So I have heard that. You've got the Jesus beard, you've got the <laughs> Jesus name. Not the hair like you, though. I mean, that could take a year. You could get there. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> um, this is the little nugget I don't know if everyone knows, but you went to church with Chuck. I did. Before yeah. going to church with Chuck here. That's correct, yeah. Please tell us the story. Okay, so um, those were my earliest memories, and they're kind of vague and in between, but more predominant was when I was maybe 11 years old, 
I lived in these apartments. And my neighbor, she was 90, early 90s, um, Ada. And she actually invited my stepmom and us kids um, to come to her church, which was the Highland Park United Methodist Church. Uh, That's the blue one. The blue one, yep. Which just so happens to be the color Chuck wanted us to paint our church. I mean, coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, the the more fascinating aspect was at 10 and 11 i was only five blocks away on a regular basis a few nights a week from my future wife that's that, true so that always like kind of gets my head turning that's super close and yeah so that that was kind of an interesting aspect so yeah we ended up going to church with her and that's where chuck was going with his um former wife did you so did you uh was it a, when you went there? Did you go like? Is it a regular thing? Was it? Yeah, you obviously so, had memory of him. Yeah, yeah, we went pretty regularly. Do you have some dirt on Chuck on for us? Sundays? Oh man, no. Have you met Chuck? I know. That's why I, that there's got to be something. <laughs> oh, wait, by the way, I think I hope he's going to be next week. Oh, that'd be. So there's got to be some dirt. On yeah, Chuck somewhere, somewhere, somebody has it. Yeah, we'll have to find that. So did you interact with him at church? Or were you like the 11-year-old that ran around and Chuck was like, those kids, they just don't respect the church? Yeah, no, I think that we had a really great pastor at the time. Um, you got a lot of those in your life. I had one. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely a bunch. Um, and he he integrated <laughs> the youth program really well. And we were actually really welcomed often um and i just i was always shocked by how how predominant kids were allowed to partake in things yeah that's beautiful okay you end up here i mean i think we all know that it's sarah moore's fault yeah yeah. but give us how did she get you here do you remember our first time meeting i definitely remember our first time meeting tell everyone we were was i uh (laughs) you tried to play it off with a lot of uh you know, bad jokes, uh, hug. I remember an awkward right? hug. Yep. He came in for a, a really strong, awkward hug the first time. But we were going to see like a school play. You were there with the youth group. Sarah's bringing me. Um, but it also happened to be like some, I had some friends going as well okay. in, in there. And so then I was like, oh, well, yeah, this makes sense. So we showed up. And uh, yeah, the rest was pretty much history because I ended up coming to Sunday soon after that and then getting pretty involved in the youth group. I mean, honestly, at first you probably just came to Sarah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That was the first driver. Uh, she invited me. I was like, sure, why not? Let's try it. Um, I remember sitting actually somewhere right here in the first pew because that was a thing we had You're to still do. still pews then. Yeah, and you made us sit in the front row. Oh, do you remember that? I do now. Yeah, so, so we had to sit in the first row and I remember sitting there and uh, Michael Anderson was standing up here singing. And Sarah was like, wow, he has a really great voice, right? And I was like, yeah. And just kind of like looking around and trying to take it all in, not knowing the songs that we we're singing, not knowing what I'm supposed to be doing, feeling very out of place. And then I just remember afterwards, like the embrace of everybody around just coming to greet me and, oh, hey, it's so great to have you. And, you know, there was so much grace for not knowing what I was doing. I felt like an intruder, but was so welcome. Mm. That it's like the opposite that. of Marco Misco's first time here. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. The that's, exact opposite. That's another podcast. <laughs> um, is there, it, this is a long time ago, but can you remember, was there a, is there a time, a season where it went from being the church you went to because your girlfriend went there to, okay, that's my church? Yeah, I think that it probably was actually after one of the youth group trips to okay. Sun Lakes. Um, where, so where there's water, where there's water, and we were by the water having like a, a conversation, and you know the guys broke off for devotion. Oh, it wasn't that. Girls. No, it wasn't that. That was okay. a separate time. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, but it, it was in that moment. Um, I forget who was there. I'm sure it was Teddy. I'm sure it was you, Ken, Steve, Jordan, me, Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, Milio. Um, I feel like there were. Probably others for sure that I'm forgetting. Um, but we were just having this conversation. And I think that there was like inclusiveness in like the games that were being played. And, you know, there was like banter going back and forth as teenagers do. And so that just in that moment, I went, oh, I've been accepted in this youth group. And for me, being part of that youth group was being a part of the church because the the church had accepted yeah. that youth group already. Yeah. Do you have some, do you have some in, in your, uh, teen years and maybe young adult years do you have some favorite events or moments um yeah I mean, there were was you a around lot. william booth time yeah definitely william booth i loved helping with william booth uh, and we'd all go get dicks afterwards yes that was great Ken and silver probably hated how late sarah <laughs> got home yeah probably um well, it was even more daunting for me because I was living in Des Moines. Oh, I would pick you up and take you there a lot, too. Were <laughs> yeah. you just using me for rides to see Sarah? You know, that was a bonus. <laughs> I mean, had it happened early on, 100%. That was, that was a deep drive. Those were fun, actually. I do remember those. Um, amazing Race. Amazing Race. participated yep. in some Amazing Races yep. we need to bring back. Those were fun. Um, one of my favorites was always the... It was just like a part of the amazing race, but in here with the pews, all the balloons, and then you get blindfolded, oh, and there was yeah. all the yelling from the balcony, oh, yeah. and you would be telling your person down below where to go to get their balloon and to pop it, and it's just pure chaos. It is, and probably pretty dangerous. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm shocked nobody got hurt. But we should do it again. Yeah. I think there was a rolled ankle one year. That was it. Oh, that's so fun. We got to bring that back. Um, okay. Before we, I want to dive into just some some of the ways you think about church and, and what keeps you here and some of those things. But I, given your history uh, with this church, uh, I just want to give you the opportunity. Like, are there some, like you think about the people who have come and gone. Maybe mm-hmm. some of them have moved. Some of them uh, have have left, and and um, that happens. But some of them passed away. Mm-hmm. Are there some people that just stand out in kind of your history with this congregation? that have been meaningful um, in the seasons with which you found yourself here? Yeah. Um, one person who hasn't gone away but has been more distanced because of where they live is Pengy, actually. Um, I miss seeing Pengy yeah. all the time. Yeah. He was so foundational um, in, in those first years that I was here. He'd interact with us. You know, it, it, He was just a safe place to go and hang out. and He was always himself, and he would always kind of crack a joke and it it was just you know heartwarming at that moment uh, around that time i do remember artie um uh, yeah. artie definitely was a, a individual i think he came um to us he didn't have a house right he, yeah he was home yeah 
Yeah, he was homeless when we met him and deeply, like, you know. Caught up in a lot of things in his life. and Yeah, a lot um, of broken spaces. Yeah, but he was always willing to engage and he would always, you know, have great conversation with you as well. Um, so he was one person. Um, and the other person that, this person always seemed, uh, I use the word mystical because I don't know a different word, but George, do you remember George? Oh, yeah. So George just seemed mystical to me because he would always appear when I was thinking about him. And so I would like, I haven't seen George in a long time. And then boom, he would be there on that Sunday. He he came up in conversation. I don't know who was there. I don't know. Pastor said you were there. Somebody was there. Um, but in the last three weeks, we've talked about him. Yeah. Uh, in there was a season in between. So when I came to be the pastor here, I was the fourth choice. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was a season between when the third person said no and uh, when I said yes. Well, I think my dad was just dying. Mental health. I mean, there was a lot of things. Yeah. And he was, there was a Sunday in particular, and he's told this story when, when he's on the podcast, I'll have to ask him about it. Yeah. Where he was, he had a board meeting and he had prepared to resign that day to the board. Um, and out of nowhere, uh, what's his name? George. George. George just showed up. Yeah. And George was one of those like mystical prayer, like very like quasi Pentecostal. I mean, yeah. Probably more. Yes. Absolutely. And and George, who had not been around for a long time, showed up on the day he was going to resign and spoke uh, into his life. And he said, "I walked in the board and I did not resign, and it was what I needed to get." through um until i eventually could move and wow. so it's interesting to bring it up well, yeah that is really interesting um that's well i haven't heard that story that's pretty neat we had a um i, I want to give you a chance to talk about him because i think it's, yeah. it's important you had a deep connection with uh alan yeah yeah you know it it was an interesting connection uh, it was formed just through sunday interactions over the course of a few years um and it was something that had just been building over time and i'm always been kind of um in awe of anybody that can play an instrument or singing or you know any of those things something that i've always aspired for and i've practiced and you know no luck and things like that and so i saw alan one sunday playing and i was like alan can we can you teach me I would love to learn. And he's like, sure. Um, I have this on this day. And I'm like, well, can I pick you up before um, worship practice? And then we can just come to the church. You can teach me for a half hour, hour, whatever. Do your practice. And then that will work. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So we did that for, I don't know, maybe a month or two. Um, and then he fired you? He kind of fired me. He just <laughs> Did he really? He kind of did. He told me. <laughs> He he was nice, right? He meant it in a, a heartwarming way, but he just said, you don't did. have a lot of rhythm. <laughs> you need to practice your rhythm because your chords are good, but you need to figure out this rhythm. Oh, that's funny. And so he gave me this rhythm book that I still have and I still oh. try to understand and I still can't. Um, and so, yeah, we connected over that. And I I really want to share this story and I don't, it's my story, so I don't think I'm doing any injustice here, but um, he he really transformed my life and the way I see things because he shared with me his past, that he had two daughters and, you know, alcohol had broken 
and he had moved away from them. And so he had this, this disconnect from his family as a result. Um, it had just pulled them apart. And that hit me pretty deep because that's pretty much the story of my family. Um, alcohol has kind of ripped them all apart. You know, I have a brother in jail right now as a result of it. Uh, my mom, unfortunately, passed in early December, um, probably as a result of it. Um, you know, I have a brother that did pass away about five years ago as a result of it. Um, and so there's there's a, a lot to that that really clicked with me. And in hearing that story, I learned even more. Um, so with that, when Alan was in his final week, um, of life, um, I was making it a point to go see him often um, at the hospital and then at the um, the nursing facility he was at. And it was there that I I asked him if he would like to connect with his daughters, um, but he didn't have a way to reach them. They'd been disconnected for some time, um, and he didn't have a phone number or a way. Um, so social media, as much as I sometimes don't like it really helped out here and I was able to to understand the um, implications of researching these people. And so I was able to find his daughter and his ex-wife and his other daughter. And they were all able to speak to him um, the day prior to his passing or two, two days prior. Mm. And so for me, like I've never been able to give a gift in, of that magnitude ever. Um, and so it was just really impactful to be able to do that in that position. Mm. Uh, somebody that I cared about deeply in their second stage of life of, you know, this new story that they had and, you know, totally turned his life around in terms of where mm. he had been um, to be able to reconnect that to his daughters who um, were extremely gracious and you yeah. know, so thankful for that. Dude, thanks for sharing. This is this is like these are the types of stories. This is part of why I've, I've been excited to do this because these are the stories. Oh, they're so they're so they're worth telling because because Alan was quiet. Yeah, but yeah. if he took the time, he had something to say. He did. Yeah, you just had to give him that space. We're um we've never really officially done a, a memorial for Pastor Michael, and so one of the episodes we're gonna do is I'm just gonna tell people in advance. Bring your, bring your Pastor Michael story, and we're all going to record it and That's slice it as a way of honor. So excited. That was the other person that I wanted to get to. Yeah. So, yeah. And part of it was my very first Sunday. He was the person that I remember vividly. Um, I remember asking him for singing lessons because I've always been drawn to that. <laughs> Did he fire you too? Yeah, on the spot. He was <laughs> like, uh, copy this. And I tried, and he goes, Yeah. You know, instruments are a good way to learn <laughs> so I was like okay thanks Michael let's take a quick break and we'll be right back well uh welcome back uh segment number three I I want to ask there's a there's a fun story uh, and this is before I was back, that you have told me, and I hope it's okay to tell the church, but you and Sarah left the church. Uh, and I remember it was a, it happened over, what was the restaurant that's now closed up in North California where she used to, close to where she used to work? Old Charlestown the Cafe. Old Charleston Cafe, which had the best chowder in West Seattle. Your dad tried to convince us with that chowder. 
to stay. To stay, did he? <laughs> uh, so you left. I mean, and and I okay. Let me set this up because I think it would be really easy to go back and narrate that in a way that says, "Oh, here, you know, that was at the time of Mars Hill," and so in that time of kind oh, of the was. church history, you had a lot of like smaller churches who were experiencing folks who were leaving the small church to go be a part of the the hipster church on the uh, block. But I don't, I think. I think that is too simplistic as I think back about you and Sarah's journey to say you guys were just trying to go find the, the cool church to go to. You guys were newly married. Yes. You were, yeah. You're yep. newly married. You're just figuring out life. You've gone to NNU for a year and now you're each kind of figuring things out. Um, my best sense is that had a lot more to do with just the stages of development and where you guys were at in life. So talk about talk about that. Talk about leaving. Talk about um, the experience of going to other places, and I'm guessing, I, I don't actually know this, I don't know if I've ever asked this, in that time you probably also had to ask yourself the question, do we even want to go anywhere? Right. And and so, why the answer yes, and ultimately what led y'all back here? Yeah. Uh, we don't have enough time okay. uh, to go through all of it, but I will, I'll give you the quick... Uh, Cliff Notes version. Yep. Um, so we had gone to Idaho for a year. And over there, we here we had experienced very similar churches. They were all very similar in their design and, you know, capacity. Smaller, not massive. Went there and experienced these churches of, you know, a couple hundred people. And it was just, whoa. Like, this is something like drums and lights and PowerPoints that were flawless and you know, like, <laughs> you had a coffee bar in the back and you get whatever you wanted, almond milk. And, you know, so at that at that stage in our life, that was something that was like, oh, wow, this is kind of entertaining. Right. I go to church. It's entertaining. They're feeding me. Phenomenal. You walk away. It's not actually where we had been because we had come from this church where we were feeding. Which was the epitome of entertaining. Right. Absolutely. You just have to to look and listen. Uh, but we would go to William Booth and we would yeah, do yeah. service and we would have, you know, these service events and things like that. So it was really interesting to me, um, at that stage that we had decided to try those churches, um, uh, in Nampa where we went to school. Um, I think it was first church mm-hmm. was, and I really enjoyed that one. And that was a little less flashy. That was probably a little more traditional Nazarene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that, you know, West Seattle had that feel ish. It was just much larger on scale. Sarah went to um, real life. Yeah. And real life was a lot more Mars Hill type flashy drums, you know, lights go out and there's strobe lights and all of these events. And she really liked that. And I understood why, because I was actually drawn to it. Sometimes I just push away from those things. And so I was like, no, we came back here and we were kind of like, oh, okay. Is this what we want? Like, is this is this the church that we want, right? We couldn't engage in the way that we were as teens because we had school and jobs and, you know, we had each other to provide for. And so there was a lot of different dynamic coming back from that. Um, and so we started to explore. And so we actually went to um, a Catholic mass with Ali and Noel and loved it. Absolutely. And so then we did that for a couple Sundays and, you know, it was good. And then we were like, well, isn't that what we want to do? Is this is this like a thing now? 
And so we started talking about it and we were like, no, let's try out some other churches. So we started trying out other churches and we hadn't landed on anything, but we had decided for whatever reason that West Seattle wasn't going to be our permanent home. We we wanted room and we didn't want to feel like we were cheating on our West Seattle family. So we just came to your dad and asked him to meet and he knew what was coming because we had been disengaged for a while. And, um, he had chowder at Charlestown Cafe and was like, hey, listen, I understand where you're at. I totally appreciate yeah. you having this conversation with me because you don't have to. You You definitely don't need to be here, but you are. And that tells me that you have these values and these morals and you want to engage in this to understand where your place is. And he goes, I wholeheartedly respect that. He was like, I would really love to give you a Sunday where we just let the whole church know what you guys are doing and where you're at and what's happening. Um, would you guys be open to that? We said yes, but we really wanted it small. So I think it was like a prayer during a service, um, you know, and it, it felt warm and genuine, like go. And so we did. We tried out a couple churches over in Ballard. We really liked. They were smaller. They were engaging. Um we tried out some in Queen Anne and then Mount Baker area. And it was interesting because every time we went to these places, we realized they weren't the same. There was something missing. And what it was, was that those congregations were very similar. They they were mirrors of each other. Like they all had the very similar history within the church. They all had very similar stories to us on the outside you know looking yeah. back maybe we could have engaged more and understood more in depth but at that time that's how it felt to us um and so it actually ended up us coming back here eventually you know sarah's parents were here um, so that kind of helped um our family was here um and so that really just kind of drew us back into it um but i would say that the uh Catholic mass was the closest thing next to Nazarene. Last question for me. We should parse that out sometime. Yeah. If there are other Nazarenes that hear that, they're like, oh, don't say that. But <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. Um, last question for me. And there's so much, I mean, there's, gosh, there's so many other places I'd love to go, but time constraints. Um, you guys are now in your mid thirties. Yes. I like to say mid-30s. makes me feel closer <laughs> in age to you. Um, to, to, to talk about where you've been from when you were married and your... We got married at 19. 19 to now. I mean, it's a lot of life change. That's kids. Yeah. That's houses. That's uh, careers. Uh, we're not even going to get to your career. Yeah. We have to. I mean, we're not today, but I, yeah. I have questions around Um when you think about the, the changes in life, you also think about changes in the city, changes uh, in the worldview of a culture, changes of, of the church at large. And I'm guessing, um, knowing you, knowing just folks our age that live in Seattle, there are lots of questions that come about faith, questions about theology, questions about the church, questions about why do we do things, why do we hold positions, why can't we let that position go or this position... I, and so I, I, knowing you and Sarah and your journey, and I, you don't need to give me or us details in this. I know you've asked those questions. Yes. And, and inevitably for anybody, and I would say rightfully so, those questions, 
when people are going through those questions, part of the question also is, am I going to stay? And so, in short, and we'll have to circle back to this another time, why have you chosen, be it West Seattle or, or, or another someday, you know, not that we're giving you freedom to go, but why have you to this point chosen to stay in the body of Christ? Why have you chosen to raise your girls? Um, understanding that there's lots to critique in the church, but ultimately yeah. even even with all that there is to critique, you keep showing up. Do you have an answer for that? Um, I have a thought. I don't know if it's an answer That's great. To it. A thought's often better than an answer. Okay. Uh, so... This goes back to when I believe we had come back to this church. Your dad invited me to be a part of the board. And <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. he gave us all this book to read as part of the board. And it's becoming your favorite church. And he says to this day, he hates that book um, and he doesn't like it. But I will say at that point in my life and journey, that book represented a thought, a pattern that had brought me back here. And that was... Everywhere is going to be difficult or hard, and there are going to be things that aren't you don't agree with a hundred percent, and there are things that you do agree with that others don't. And so, how do you work within that, and what does that mean? And this book to me meant, well, I stay and I work through this, and I become my favorite church. Not saying that my vision of the church is the only right way. Saying this is my vision of church is a family, a community where there's pushback, where you can tell me respectfully, Josh, Hey, you need to do this or don't do this. And I can listen and, and respond to that. And, Oh man. And I think that's the beauty, especially in your nine years now, is I think you've actually had that. Yeah. There's been some really awkward moments. Absolutely. Really tough moments. Um, but it's also, there's some beauty in that. And I think as church people, as friends, going through that there's deeper connection on the other side right and i don't you know this is my favorite church and why and part of that is you know on a sunday morning seeing tanner and parker playing with daddy and charlie and yeah and mila and kate and you just go down the list and, um, and that's beautiful I, yeah i just had another thought i wanted to throw in absolutely there. and and this is a little more cliche but the idea is that you know i was like oh wow that sounds like Sarah and I having a conversation about our marriage because it is like when you decide to commit to that, it, it becomes a part of your marriage and mm. you work through challenging aspects and you experience highs and you, you kind of do this thing together and it's not always the way that you envision it, but it is the present. It is the current issue. It is, you know, to make me nervous when I smile. It does a little bit. It should. <laughs> it totally should. Because I'm debating whether it's appropriate enough to say, but it, I can edit it out, right? Yeah. When you compare it to marriage, I think you're absolutely right. Because I think that's what baptism is. Yeah. I think entering in the waters of baptism is marrying the church. Thus, communion is sex. I think I've heard you say this you before. Have, that's, but that's yeah, the way it's described. Like even yeah. like you think about theologically, you think about baptism as the marriage ceremony where you enter in and you see you think about um spouses in their marriage, like how what are some of the ways they they live out the kind of the intimacy and expression, well, for then for the church, communion is that. Yeah. We may edit that out. Who knows? We may leave it in. Yeah. No, we'll see. Lightning round time. 
Uh, so this is your chance. We don't have a ton of time. So if you have a question, would you go to the mic and uh, state your name and then ask Josh a question? And other than, you know, after that, we'll pray for him and we'll kick him out of here so he can go see if his girls are asleep, <laughs> which they're probably not. No. Who wants to go first? Hi, Mark. Hi. How are you? Hey. I am actually, no, I'm feeling a lot better actually after um, all that. So to, to start off, thank you. Uh, I wanted to be able to, after you sharing about even, um, I, I don't know who Alan is, but you being able to share part of his testimony in in that factor is like an affirmation, confirmation of like, it's definitely not by accident that the Lord had him come into your life and therefore you being able to share that aspect of your testimony with us. So thank you for that. Um, and so along those lines that you mentioned about george too someone that i'm not but like george and mystical and everything and even going back to when you talked about your keeping your job or just along that line of like losing a job and you don't you know like is do you have like another instance where you have the lord's grace come in and you just that's just it's like no that can't have anything but that's that's got to be the lord for sure if you you better answer i met my wife yeah yeah that's a great question i I love that question uh you know i feel like the number of times are numerous and they are numerous because they come in those moments where i just let go and i stop being a factor in it um, I'm going to share one from Sarah because this was pretty foundational. Uh, we were young. We were trying to place the first bid on our very first house. And we were, you know, super nervous about the whole process. Did we make enough? Could we pay for it? Like all these things. And we we're literally driving to get lunch, which happens to be Yum Yum Teriyaki. Or no, uh, Nico's Teriyaki. Excuse me. Mm. Nico's Teriyaki in Jefferson Square. And our real estate agent worked right up above. And she she saw the sign and she goes, you know, I'm not even nervous about this anymore. If it's meant to happen, God will allow it. I'm just giving this to him and I'm letting go. She finishes her sentence. I get a phone call from our real estate agent saying our offer was accepted. It wasn't the highest offer, but the seller, it was his mom's house forever. He wants to sell it to a young couple that's looking to have a family. Um, and develop their family there. And so in that moment, we just like looked at each other because it's on, uh, you know, speakerphone and just we we're like, what just happened? Like that moment, like lives, you know, so much rent in my head all the time. Okay. So Josh, you've given us a lot of uh, examples, great examples of people who have really had an impact on your life and your faith. And I just wonder, if there's a particular person that stands out as having the greatest impact on your faith and how you've been formed spiritually, whether that was in childhood or as an adult, um, who who might you say has had the greatest impact? Um, well, I I don't want to answer this because they might be to my right. Uh, Sean Matson has definitely been there through through the majority of it. But he's also been the one person like his dad who can give space, but also will push back. 
And in those moments of pushing back has been extremely foundational in the development of that and the questioning, um, the Rob Bell thing that never really took off. I loved it. I thought that that was the best thing that we could have experienced, even though it wasn't the easiest thing. Um, And so definitely in that moment, um, if if it had to go to number two, if Sean's cheating, it would probably be my mom. Um, Mm. And she had a lot of reasons in her life not to believe. Mm. um, And she chose to believe. um, And she gave me the space and grace to believe my my version of, you know, Christ and church and, you know, faith and what that looks like. Um, And so that was really foundational as well. That brought me to Sean. So it was a a smooth transition uh, throughout my life. Thank you. Yeah. We didn't even get into our uh, Monday night tradition of going to chapel at Northwest University. I went to <laughs> I went to the Pentecostal school for a year, and so Josh would go to Monday night chapels with me, and then we'd bust butt back and watch Twenty Four with Jack Bauer together. Such epic time in life. Yes. Other lightning round questions before we uh, call it a, a night. Those twice baked potatoes on those Monday nights were amazing. Twice, yes. And we would have like steak. Oh, it was so it good. was a thing. So good. <laughs> Kristen is still mad that we didn't wait for her to watch the finale of Twenty Four. Oh well. Yeah. Anybody else have a question? I get that one. David Dunn, hit it. Josh, I'm very impressed with your presentation. And uh, how you. smooth you were able to go through the uh, story of your life. And uh, I don't feel I can do it as good as that. And <laughs> it's, uh, uh, w- w- where exactly do you get this kind of power? Is it a speech training or what? You know, um, David, you just you hit on something that I have been working on. Um, so I mentioned this earlier. I had a lot of like confidence issues in high school. And then I went into lifeguarding. You don't really have to be speaking. Walk, please. Like, that's the most you say. Um, and then I was at EMT. And so I kind of went through that. So there was a lot of one-on-one, which was great. Well, finally, when I ended up at Sight Life, the corneal donation agency, I accepted a position that was public speaking and teaching nurses, like 200 yeah. nurses yeah. In, in a facility at one time. And I walked in. And I almost vomited because I went, <laughs> I have to talk to all these people. <laughs> Nobody told me this. During the interview practicing with Sarah, it, just in front of Sarah, I forgot my own name. I was like, hi, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, uh, and Sarah goes, not getting the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was that bad. <laughs> By the grace of God, I got it. I have no idea, David, where it comes from. I mean, it has to be through God. I have also had three weeks to practice this story because Sean That's is booked so solid. Funny. Um, that was a subtle shot. But it's okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that that's probably it is just a little bit of practicing through education and getting comfortable and speaking in front of people. Um, but just the the train of thought. I also, you know, started formulating the concepts before i i do a lot of internal dialogue uh with myself and that always helps yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's good all right thanks yeah. 
I know I, I lacked confidence when I was a teenager, yeah. but when I was 16 years old, I uh, uh, was in the uh, finals of the, for violin playing for, uh, for, oh. for juniors. Uh, I had to make a speech in front of 2,000 people. Now that, fre- that freaks D- me out. David, yeah. but, but I, 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 I've spoken to anybody, uh, but I'll say... I, I think you could do that really easily. David, <laughs> David, I just want to say, and then I'm going to give anyone their last chance. I want to say your interview is one of the ones I'm most looking forward to. I truly am excited to, to dance around and hear some of your story. Anybody else? This is your last chance. So what made you um, decide to leave um, NNU? What didn't work? What what was going on that made you walk away? Was it something from the Lord, or did you just not feel that that was where you needed to be? You know, Tabitha, I've actually <laughs> I've thought a lot about that, and I was like going to include it earlier, and I was like, no, I won't. So I'm so glad you asked. Um, well, one, there's not a lot of water around Nampa. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring it home. No, um, no, there's so, not. There's a lot in Alki Beach, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it was a, it was. So Sarah and I were there together, and I proposed over winter break, and she was like, "Hey, I don't want to go here. I want to go back and do hair in Seattle." And to me, right, I had a choice at that point to fight or not. Right. I didn't see a reason to stay because I didn't have a calling there. Right. So I just didn't have a sense that I needed to stay there. My sense was I need to be back in Seattle where I felt at home near the water. Right. Uh, but also <laughs> there was this whole concept of like when I went there, I was hoping to get more diversification and learning and things like that. And in and you was able to provide some of that. Uh-huh. But there was a lot of like struggle internally about education topics and things that they could say and couldn't say. And they did a really great job pushing those boundaries for the time. Mm-hmm. But I just knew what I could get here in Seattle as been living here. And so I just really wanted to come back home. So being a pastor was not your calling. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we don't have time to go into that. But yeah, it's a good question. Thank you. Anybody else? Jeffrey is your last? Yeah. It's a two-parter. One, what was the hardest thing about EMS? And two, would you go back? Uh, what was the hardest part about what? EMS. Oh, um, good question. Yeah. So I think it's personal, but um, so each individual has their own thing. The hardest part about being an EMS for me was the transactional interactions I had with individuals. So this goes back to your mom. Maybe, no, I don't have the official calling to be a pastor by title, but I want to develop relationships with individuals and further them. But through EMS, I I could only help them in that moment. And to me, when I left them, I felt like I wasn't providing everything I could for them. And I just, I couldn't continue that that type of cycle. Would I go back? Was that your second question? Yeah. You know, um, I thought a lot about it. I don't know that I ever would go back to EMS, particularly for the reasons I just said. I've thought about, you know, could I be a nurse or a nurse practitioner uh, or n- not even a 991 dispatcher, um, 911, excuse me. Charlie calls it 9911. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
not even that because it's transactional and for me that's not where i want to go um but i could see myself being like a family practitioner or something along those lines um unfortunately our healthcare system has a long way to come for me to be able to achieve my optimal profession and you could argue maybe there's room in there i just i don't have that within my scope and my current desires and goals great question I think, um, and we'll wrap this up, I, I think even hearing you answer that is one of the things that I appreciate about you is uh, from lifeguarding, I don't know about Coca-Cola, from <laughs> lifeguarding to, to working on the ambulance uh, to site life uh, to now, which what would you say, you work with Edward Jones? Yeah, I'm a providing financial advisor, so I just... I help individuals achieve their their financial goals. And let's at least, I mean, I do honestly want to bring you back and talk more about this at some point. But like if somebody wanted to talk to you, how do they get a hold of you? Get my cell number. Get your cell number. So (laughs) reach out to the podcast. Reach out to me. You can email me and I can get you in contact with Josh if you'd like to chat with him about that. But what I've been impressed is that every step, certainly as an individual, it's it's about how do I provide for my family and do those things. But it's always with you been about more it's been vocational like what i do i want to be about something bigger than simply providing right i appreciate that josh thank you can we give him a round of applause